Okay. So I want to introduce that we're going to be talking to Kathleen Turner today, who's in Chicago, doing a one-woman show, calling Kathleen Turner, Finding My Voice, is it? Yeah. Which I saw, witnessed last night, and was very moved, because as long as I've known her, she's been to the festival four times, I didn't know she sang, and mm -hmm. I didn't know your life story until last night which is really quite impressive and quite strong. And you are an amazing survivor. Well, yes, I think most of us who are around this long are. <laughs> and certainly women who, and you know, at the one point in the show when I say this is my 42nd year in the business, and yes, you goddamn well can clap. <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, that is really something to be applauded, I think, you know. But, but, when, but when you sing, when you sing about um, the work and almost the loneliness of after the performance on the road, it's very touching. And, and I feel for a female actor alone in the world after the show, you know? Well, the other, other thing was that, um, you know, I never, I refused to go and live in L.A. In Los Angeles, I always lived in New York. So when we finish a film or something... I would, you know, go home uh, to New York and realize that none of the people that I had been so involved with for months, you know, living in their, each other's pockets and everything, mm -hmm. uh, would know whether I woke up that day or not. Yeah, that's the business. Yeah. But I only want to talk about sex. Oh, God. Sex in the cinema, because you're, you're the sex symbol of the 80s. Wow. Now, interesting, last night, people asked you for your autograph, and everything. wow, don't give me wow, you, you were it, you're it. Mm. You still are sexy, but besides, people ask you for your autograph, what did they want you to sign? They didn't want you to sign a picture of you, they wanted to, they all- Jessica Rabbit. Wanted Jessica Rabbit, right. the animated woman, Right. From uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's yeah. what everybody wanted you to sign, isn't that Yeah, they love, they love Jessica, they love the cartoon, they love, I hope they love the movie, because- yeah. It is a piece of art, you know. And I mentioned to you that I had dinner with the artist who drew you and drew it a couple of years ago, Richard Williams, and he would talk about how Spielberg would call one day and then Zemeckis would call the next day wanting to redraw you with bigger boobs and a right. tinier waist to the point where you're, you're so out of proportion. Oh, it's physically impossible, yes. They were happy with it. You, <laughs> you were beyond Dolly Parton. Oh, Lord of mercy. It was a caricature. That's what it became. It's, yeah. But it's, and the great line you have in that? I'm not bad. I'm just drawn on that way. Exactly, exactly. So did you have sex with Michael Douglas? <laughs> Well, we went down to Mexico to shoot um, Romancing the Stone. Yes. <clears throat> and those were some pretty exciting times. And I loved going back down to South America because I grew up there, you mm -hmm. know. Where? Uh, I grew up in Venezuela five years. Okay. A little time in Colombia, a little time in Cuba. Hence your Espanol. Atlanta. In any case, uh, yeah, when we were rehearsing and prepping and, you know, finding locations and all that kind of stuff, it was getting pretty exciting. And I really thought that we might be falling in love, you that's know? The, don't, that's what I wonder about. Well, no, 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 you see. And then Deandra, Michael's wife. Oh. 
Yeah, I heard rumors, I think, about, you know, somebody said, well, she, they seem to be getting along very, very well. And she jumped on a plane, came down to Mexico hmm. and made it very clear that they were still married. Michael had told me they were separated because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, even contemplated it. But so, you, but in any you, case, so that was the end of that. We had a great friendship and we had a great time. And you did two sexy films together. Oh, three, yeah. Was it three? War of the Roses. Oh, Jewel the Nile and War of the ah, Roses, yeah. yeah. But all of the films have these incredible sex, heat, body heat and all. How can you not get involved with these guys? I mean... Well, because it's really quite... You were young. Clinical. You were young. They're no, young. No. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, but um, it's, it's very uh, staged. It's very choreographed. I mean, mm. you really literally talk through each position and what the camera will see wherever it is each yeah. position and it kind of breaks down into not being very sexy at all mm -hmm. it breaks down into just yeah. really trying to hit your marks in a way yeah. um, that so that takes the some of the excitement off it especially I mean, with a, for sure. 100 people watching you that's right? the, the well, hardest part no they have that. a very yeah. small they bring the smallest amount of crew possibly okay. in and they're very respectful, you know. At least I always found. Well, them on to that be. same line, did you ever have to deal with the Harvey Weinstein's of the world, the casting couches no, in your I, lifetime? I think that I really was fortunate in more in more ways because the, my first film, my first role, mm. was a lead. You know, was a starring role. So oh. I didn't need anything from them. Hmm. You know, I mean, what he did and many other was to leverage their power over someone else's need or want. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't need them. You know, I already had the position. So I think that I escaped a lot of it because simply because of that. How did you suddenly become a star in the first film? Well, it's um, a pretty powerful film, and I think that we... We really broke new ground. How did they find of, you to be? How did they find you? Oh, that's funny. Actually, a little bit funny. Well, I wanted to get Larry Callison and uh, and his producer came to New York to audition women, and um, I couldn't get in to get an audition because the casting director said I had no film credits. You know, so I would be wasting everyone's time, kind of thing. So I couldn't get in. Then I was flown out to L.A. to test on another film. And Wally Nesita, who's one of these three, um, three uh, apprentices of the Grand Dame of Casting, Marion Dowry, mm. she was casting the film in L.A. Now, this was several months later, and Larry still had not found anyone that he felt... To play opposite to yeah. William, William Hurt, right? So I went in to read uh, for Wally, and she said, you know, don't move, stay right here. <laughs> she went and got Larry and Fred, and, and uh, we read again, and I left. And then they called and said, well, we want you back tomorrow, and we're going to give you another scene, and we want you to just to read it cold. And I said, okay, you know, I'm, I have no problem with that. And... Uh, and it's the only scene in the film where Maddie actually ever sort of discloses anything about herself or her background. So uh, I, when I finished reading, Larry Kasdan said, I never thought I would hear that out loud the way I hear it in my head. 
And so then they had to go to fight, to the studios, to the suits, you know, to get this complete unknown woman. Waitress. In, uh, yeah, I was a waitress then, yeah. <laughs> but I was a lot of other things, too. I'd already been on Broadway, I'd been uh-huh. on a soap opera. But in between, you okay. go back to the restaurants. Right. Can I ask you, away from this topic, I want to ask you about your Spanish. Yeah. Have you ever done any work or tried to do any work in Latin America using your Spanish? I've thought about it a lot. In fact, I go to, you know, I've asked Pedro Almodovar why the hell he hasn't used me, you know. Uh, I actually have acquired uh, an approved translation of Virginia Woolf. Okay. And I'm thinking about trying to be like the first American actress to actually take such a production to Mexico and um, I think Buenos Aires and Madrid would be would be wonderful uh, but that's a step I haven't got the I haven't worked up the courage for yet I, I think it would be exciting to see you try and it to be do thrilling, it thrilling I think but uh, I am not feeling brave enough yet <laughs> brave enough you've been brave in everything you've ever done I guess all it takes is the right partner in the right production, and you can do it. Well, that's part of the problem, is who the hell would I get to, for George? Because I'm not that well acquainted with a lot of the... The Latin I, uh, yeah, actors. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe, um, what's his face, the one who just did the last Pedro Almodovar? Oh, well, huh? Banderas. Yes, yeah. Would he be the right age? Would he, would he be good? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I he think would, it might he would be. be. Yeah. That's actually a smart, oh, that's idea, a smart idea. idea. We may have come up with something, yeah. yeah. So, watching you perform last night, because I did not know you sang, and you're singing your whole life story, which is quite moving. Um, when you were doing, I guess, The Graduate on L- London stage, yeah. the cats is British. Right. But are they portraying, are they Americans? Yes. Oh. oh, yeah, they were I find brilliant. that fascinating the way they do that. 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 No, Matthew Reese was my, um, was my Benjamin, and he went on, you know, to do The Americans, mm-hmm. that wonderful show. I love The Americans. Yeah. Great yeah, ending. Well, he was a, fa- he's a fabulous actor. Mm-hmm. And, no, you would never know that they were Brits, you know. They're, they're terrific with the accents. Until he got off stage, and then he was like, whoa, who That's, is this? Well, who decided <laughs> that you should be naked in this show? The director? Well, Terry how, Johnson. How come along? <laughs> Terry Johnson uh, wrote and directed it. And we talked long and hard about this, and he said, you know, if I could come up with something with the same impact, you know, the same kind of kick in the head that this delivers to Benjamin, mm-hmm. that he would be open to it. But, you know, we thought it through. I mean, what? Um, um, just panties or underwear or a slip? I mean, what? where do you... What? Nothing delivers the, that kick like the shock of nudity. Right. And so I finally said, okay, no, you're right. It has to be that. But he was he was open to if I had another idea, but I I came to believe that this was how it had to be. Well, you're a sensation, and then on Broadway, right? Yes, Broadway a year or so later. Yeah, amazing. Did it get cold up there? <laughs> no, no. 
So back to Michael Douglas. What? <laughs> the what only, is it with you? The only reason I bring it up is because that was during the phase when he was so uh, well, outward yes, I know that being a sexaholic. Quite, well, uh, but Don, and he, there were a lot of other women around. Yeah. You know, I wasn't the only one. But you were the and hot one. You're the hot one. You're no, the... no, you should have seen some of the Mexican ladies, you know. <laughs> uh, no, it was quite clear that this was... You know, if it would be anything, it would be a fling, but that's all. So okay. that just wasn't very interesting to me. No, truly, I realized Michael I would never have lasted. Never. Mm. You know, I mean, first of all, then in those days, he was quite a misogynist. Mm. You know, it was really very white male privilege stuff, which he's mellowed about. With the, with the times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that used to really anger me, so that... <laughs> Wouldn't have worked. <laughs> so today you've got a lot of causes you're involved with. This is very important. Yeah. Very important. I think that I think this is almost as big a part of my life as the work to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really can only handle three. I think because my when I say handle it, I mean showing up, I means yeah. being there and doing it. So time wise, I can't really do more than three major organizations. I did the Meal on Wheels one Christmas and it breaks your heart. Um, but you want to keep doing it. Oh, I do. Yeah. I will. No, every Thanksgiving and Christmas, I yeah. we start the day by helping to pack the foods, the meals and everything, mm-hmm. and then we take them out and deliver. And I'm happy to say that we have so many volunteers now sure. over the last few years that I used to take a load out and deliver and come back and then go back out again. And now I come back to the, and there's... All the meals are gone. Gino, have you ever ever done anything like this? City Meals on Wheels. When I was younger with my mom. Younger? You're you're five years old now when you were younger. (laughs) Ten years ago. Well, there's no reason not to do it. Yeah, Yeah, my my mom's a nurse, so she had to do part of her volunteer work at a soup kitchen. And Mm -hmm. that was also a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a humbling experience to see. Well, it's so hard sometimes in... You know, one of the things that always disturbs me the most is that the older people who have had their fourth or fifth floor walk-up flat, you know, apartment for 40, 50 years cannot, you know, are so rent-controlled. They can't possibly afford to move, Mm -hmm. but they can't handle stairs anymore. So they're literally trapped in their apartments, and the people who deliver the meals are the only people they see all day most usually and a lot of the people see we hire we also hire um, people who wouldn't be employed otherwise you know to deliver the meals and stuff maybe people with records or people who have some disabilities of their own and um they make these relationships with the shut-ins. Well, they're not just hungry for food. They're hungry to talk to somebody. They're hungry for company. And they don't want to yeah. let you go. And, some and of, you don't want to let go because you want to talk too. Some of right. our clients and their regular deliveries have fantastic relationships. Exactly. It's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your next project? Well, uh, tomorrow I fly out to L.A. to shoot a character on the sitcom Mom. Mm-hmm. And then in December, uh, with NPR and the New Haven Symphony Orchestra, I will be touring in Christmas Carol, playing Scrooge. And then... A female Scrooge. And then, a female uh, Scrooge. I am Scrooge, yes. Ebenezer Scrooge. 
And then... Not as a man, as a woman. Christmas in Paris. Nice. Mm. Looking forward to that. Alone. No, I have very good friends who are always asking me to come, and I finally went, well, okay. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Isn't it time to get married again? Hell no, never. <laughs> never, never. Paris is the place to do it, but... No, no, no. I, I've taken care of one man for long enough. I don't... I, I, no. No, if somebody were actually to take care of me, I might, I might consider it, but I have never encountered such a situation. Well, you'd be difficult. To, my God, I mean, you're the star. How could, any, how could I be married to you? How could I be married to you? Because I'm a very nice, intelligent, interesting woman. Because she's not just a star. She's a human. Yep. Like, like Judy said, you're only a star for one hour a day. Yeah, I know you didn't like the Judy film. I wasn't but I, I like that yeah. line very much, yeah. I, co- I concur with that statement. It could have been done better. She could have been portrayed better. I think so. And I saw Tracy Bennett on stage doing it. Right. And in her performance, first of all, vocally it was much superior, but also uh, the rage and her her terrible insecurities and, and self-doubts were so strong and so uh, made so much sense about how she screwed all these things See, up. It was a play first called End of the Rainbow, yeah. and uh, much more emotional. This, this, has been, this is a Hollywoodized... Oh, very much you know, so. Show busy so. kind of thing. Oh yeah, she's only yeah. the victim, right? Yeah. I don't. I think I agree. But I do like the line, the line that you mentioned, that she, yeah. you can't let her be a human being because, you know, I'm only Judy for one hour a day, as you said, and that's 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 you have to go through that too. I don't ever feel like I'm that separated. Okay. I mean, I know that I have certain responsibilities as so. You know Kathleen Turner when I'm out right. in public, mm-hmm. but I don't feel that 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 that's a different persona mm-hmm. from me. Okay. Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. <laughs> it's a nice script. Scrooge really learns over the course of that. Fascinating. Uh, His heart softens by the end. But you're a woman. Yes, I am. Scrooge is a woman. Scrooge is a woman. Scrooge is a woman. That's a fascinating idea. That's an interesting play on it. Yeah, exactly. Is it the first time they're doing it that way? No, I read read Scrooge uh, just in another little uh, reading for WNYC. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's going to be a much bigger production. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one thing I did last Christmas time that was most such fun, speaking of voice work and everything. Um, You know that children send letters to Santa. Sure. And they all go to the central post office in, in New York and volunteers no, no, come. It goes to the North Pole, dear. Well, uh, yeah, of course. And volunteers answer <laughs> answer the um, answer the letters, right? Yes. Well, a lot of children misspell and address their letters to Satan. This is like Trump. He would do that. Yes. And so <laughs> we put together a bunch of these letters, and um, you know, and you'd have this nice little girl voice like saying. You know, dear Satan, <laughs> my name is Emily. I'm six years old. All I want for Christmas is world peace. Dear Emily, mm. no. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole bunch. It was very funny. When did, I don't know, but when did you realize that there wasn't a Santa Claus? Is that something in your life? Did you believe in Santa Claus? 
I suppose I must kid. have. I I, when did so. you find out he wasn't? I don't know. I don't know. I know there are four of us, you know, three, I've got three siblings, and we, I know that you always sort of kept it, um, kept it going until the youngest one figured it right, out. Right, exactly. You know? So you always, you know, the older people would always sort of um, conspire to make sure that the youngest was protected. Were you a Santa Claus person as a kid? Did you believe in Santa Claus? I did. When did you not? When did it, how did, how did you figure out he wasn't? See, I don't yeah. think I was conscious enough to realize when I didn't stop believing in Santa. I've, as, as a personal child, I've always been really realistic. So all I can remember was just knowing that it was my parents or someone else. Mm. We're good. Okay. We're good. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you said that you don't like L.A. And that, no. that your home has been New York City for always. the last... Oh. What... What part of New York City do you live in, and I, what attracts you so much to New York City? Well, I lived on the Upper West Side for many, many years. Um, now I live down in Tribeca, okay. which I really enjoy. Very different. I oh, yeah. Well, with the, you know, there's a constant change uh, mm-hmm. also. Because in New York, I can step out of my building, and I can be part of, part of a world, part of a city. And in New York City... On every block, there are people of every income level, background, belief, you know, all passing each other and coexisting. I find Los Angeles so isolating and so... um, There is no focus. No, no. And and, I mean, I'll never forget once I was at a luncheon or something and I heard this woman at another table saying, you know, well, you'll never believe what happened to me this morning. I woke up and, you know, and there was a homeless person sitting on the curb in front of my home. Now, I did not spend millions of dollars to live in Bel Air to have a homeless person on my curb. I thought, good God, this is, I mean, this is insane. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm not going, I'm staying where I am. It's a, such a it is a detachment. LA is such pockets of different people, mm. and they're very concentrated. And so they're so self-involved. Eh. Mm. No, it's fascinating because when I visit the studios to get films for the festival and stuff like that, I'm amused by the, the cutthroat nature of, of the staffing. I mean, mm. this week you're at Warner Brothers, but then you're fired. That you're at Twentieth now, but Twentieth is just by Disney, so you're fired from Disney. <laughs> and, and everybody is about thirty-five years of age. Yeah. In this transition, or younger, just, yeah, to get just to live through it, uh, it's uh, it's quite a world out there. It's the life you choose. Mm. As a human being, we only have a certain level of time, so you get to choose what you want to do. Or at least I try to look at it that way. Mm. A lot of people spend their life doing something that they hate, but for what? Because no, at the end, at the end of the day, always have choices. Yeah, at the end of the day, when you die, you're going to look back, or at that last dying moment, you're going to look back and think to yourself. Why did yeah, I do it no, all? No, 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 what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't know how an actor can do eight shows a week. Tenacity. And deliver it, you know, perfectly to the audience eight times a week. That's what we do. I know, That's I know, job. I know. It's called grit. I know. That's the job. So I mean, how, is, how is it, to me, what an accountant does is a complete mystery. <laughs> you know? Where was your training as this actor? By doing it. Like really? Just by doing it, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I went. You didn't have Lee Strasberg in, no. in the back of your head. No, I didn't have any <laughs> anyone like that. No, I uh, I just did it. I mean, Remarkable. I don't think anyone can teach you how to act. Mm. There is no formula. There's no you know. You have to find that out for yourself. Hmm. Interesting. I believe hands-on in film filmmaking world too. I always say, forget film school, go work with people in the business. Mm-hmm. Here, it works. What would you say is the difference between acting on stage versus acting in a movie versus acting on television? Oh, this is a big, this is what, a big what, discussion. What a... <laughs> uh, well, you can start. It's not just size, but certainly um, stage you have. To have enough energy to fill the house, whatever size it is, uh, and I mean literally have it emanate out from you. And I feel sometimes as though my arms were long enough to go all the way down the sides of the audience and take you know take everyone in. Film is almost the opposite in that I'm always being told to be smaller, mm. you know, smaller voice, man, don't gesture so widely. You know, be keep it, your movements more minimal, all this stuff, because you're not using your whole body, you're just using a piece of it at any given time. Um, and the, the cameras, you know, the, the focus there, you, you may be doing a tremendous monologue, but if, you know, the light changes, the cinematographer, you know, will go, cut! So it's really not about your work or well, how you're doing. Which, frankly, is rather, you know, like, well, screw you. Yeah, Yeah. the only respect um, I have are actors that can do stage, because we can make anybody look good on a movie. Well, like if you, yes, you can. With 45 takes, you're going to be a movie star. Yeah, and a good editor, boy. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. I And people who can really do stage can pretty much handle any other medium. Anything, of course. But not, not, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many times you see a, a film star. Well, not very often, of course, but come to try and do stage and and. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the younger ones are trying to show they can do stage these days. Yeah, well, a lot of the older ones are 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 terrified. I mean, they sure. they will never risk falling on their face. You know. So who decided you could suddenly sing? Me. <laughs> I, well, no, when I told you when I was, I got, I wanted to do Mother Courage. Yeah. And she has five songs. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn these songs and do them well. And then I found out I really liked it. Could you always sing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I had no real training, no uh-huh. vocal. I never had voice lessons. Okay. I mean, singing lessons, you know. Well, it works. It works. Yeah. It works quite well. Oh, I've, t- I've been taking some this yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. So, I have one more question. We can wrap it up then, if you'd like, mm-hmm. depending on time we have. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, when you're done, you're laying in bed. You have the TV on. What are you watching? What's on Kathleen Turner's radar right now? When I am in bed, I don't have anything. I don't. I don't have a TV on or anything. Um, I use bed to sleep. Okay. Uh, I don't have a TV in my room. On my bedroom, I don't uh, live that way. Um, I usually find my most, I read, I read a lot, I read, I don't know how many books a week, 
So my idea to come home after a, a you know, a double standing ovation, like last night. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Is to, uh, <laughs> we love you, we love you. Yes, is yes, to, uh, <laughs> you know, chill out by pulling out a book and uh, Well, after a show, you, you got to be wired and, yeah. wide, and wide awake, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a while. Honestly, when after, sometimes in New York and when I was living in an apartment building, I would walk up and down flights of steps, you know, mm-hmm. just to try and drain some of the, you know, yeah. some of the, because I had to come down, I had to get up and get my kid to school the next day, you know, so. Yeah. La, la, la. But it doesn't matter. You were doing some, I haven't seen this Kaminsky thing, but you're, you're doing some of that on Netflix too, yeah. right? So you can't, you can't get away from Michael Douglas, it seems. No. <laughs> No, it's kind of, well, well, Michael and Chuck Lorre both said, well, no, this is a no-brainer, you know, kind of thing. It's sort of like if, in War of the Roses, if they hadn't died, and she'd gone to medical school, and he'd gone and started a studio in L.A., you know, they'd still be the same people. It's a wonderful film. Wonderful. Mm. She'd be great and great. What's your favorite of all these movies you've been in? I don't have one. Honestly, I don't. I think, Because they're all, they're all different. Yeah, that's the point. I want them all to have been different. Sex symbol of the 80s. How about Lie that? Me. How about that? Ah. What's the most fun <laughs> you've had filming or Well, I think that would something? be romancing because I loved doing all the... I loved being there. I loved being in the jungle. I loved speaking Spanish. I loved doing all the stunts, you know. Well, how dangerous falling down that waterfall all the time. It was dangerous. I would oh, no, so. the, the waterfall or whatever was you're falling. doubles, yeah. Oh, okay. That had to be. But the mud and no, the, I mean, the you're rolling guy, around. The poor guy who was in my clothes had it broke his leg, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. But you're rolling around in the mud oh, and all yes, that. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes. Yeah, and then we found out... There was empatago in the soil, so now they're uh, rinsing us out with all kinds of God knows what. Where, you know? where was that shot? Mexico. Mexico. In, yeah, Did anybody get empatago? I, I didn't. Michael <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Remember, if you want to email us, we have the email nose to nose podcasts at gmail.com. And we'll see you next episode.